Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews. We start with breaking news out of Phoenix. Suns majority owner Robert Sarver released a statement today saying he's beginning the process of selling both the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury. Now remember, this comes one week after the findings of an independent investigation that was prompted by ESPN reporter Baxter Holmes reporting into the Suns' workplace culture. Now Commissioner Adam Silver had suspended Sarver for one year and since then, the pressure has mounted from players and the MBPA and Jersey Patch sponsor PayPal announced it would not renew its partnership with the team. Now, Sarver wrote today in part, as a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the team that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that is no longer possible that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. And for those reasons, I'm beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. I do not want to be a distraction to these two teams and the fine people who work so hard to bring the joy and excitement of basketball fans around the world. I want what's best for the organizations, the players, the employees, the fans, the community, my fellow owners, the NBA, and the WNBA. This is the best course of action for everyone. I'm joined now by Baxter Holmes, Zach Lowe, Ramona Shelburne, and Richard Jefferson. And I I just want to start with this statement. We read just a part of what Robert Sarver wrote. And Zach, I want to start with you here. What was your reaction to the totality of his words here? Well, the statement is embarrassing and pathetic. Um, it it's, it's talks about our current unforgiving climate, that it makes it no longer possible, as if outside forces are the reason this is happening. And so everyone's going to point to the whining about cancel culture and all this. And that's what it is. It's whining. It's pathetic. I want to point to his use of the, re- the repeated use of words and things I said, Mm. words that I deeply regret overshadow two decades of building, blah, blah, blah. In our unforgiving climate, it's 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 unforgiving. Whatever good I've done is outweighed by things I have said. He's trying to make it sound like these are just words that he put out into the air. And when you're the it's it's a fundamental misunderstanding of his power and of power dynamics. When you're the boss, when you control people's jobs and you say to a woman, your pregnancy could disadvantage your career. Why do all the women around here cry so much? Your body is good. Your body's not good. Oh, look at that son's dancer. Her body's great. Those are not just words when you're Robert Sarver. Those are borderline actions. Those cause harm and suffering to people in the workplace, harm and suffering to people's careers. It's not just words that go out into the air. They are almost actions when you consider the power dynamics. And for him to just come out and say, well, I just said this stuff. They're just words. They're just words that go out into the air. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what he did and of the power dynamics. And the statement is a pathetic and, and, a, and in that sense, a good coda to this whole thing. Well, 
there were what he is classifying as words, but there were also actions. Mm -hmm. This was not just the the report was not just instances of no. things he said. There were things that he did as well. Richard, what's your reaction to this? Why is everyone so serious? This is amazing. He's gone. This is awesome. I think this is the best thing that could happen to this league. And let me say this. As a Phoenix person, and everybody on this panel, and I've always represented the, the, uh, Phoenix very, very heavily. Do you know what else I am? I'm a University of Arizona person. Do you know where Sarver went to school? University of Arizona. I have sat next to him on a plane. Lute Olson, my grandfather, is one of the people that helped get this man into this league. All of those things said. He is a part of a fraternity and a family that I belong to, and I could not be happier to see that man walking out of the door. Why? Because even though I did not have these experiences, I had close friends that, that did. I had people that were around this organization inside of, uh, of the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury organization that did. And so for me, even though these weren't my experiences, I am so happy that this man is gone. He does not belong in this league. He doesn't belong, belong around people in this league. And so so for me today, this is a this is a joyous occasion. I'm about to put a bid on the Suns. I'm probably going to fall a few dollars short, but I'm definitely putting in a bid. I'm doing something, but I'm glad he's gone, and I can't wait for the next person. Well, I know that Baxter, you've been speaking to some folks within the organization. Do they share Richard's sentiment? What are folks saying to you? Yeah, I want to I want to read. Uh, this is from a current staffer. To be honest, it just felt like justice, hmm. like we can finally heal and know we won't be working under that type of leadership. I swear there will be tears when senior executives will be held accountable. Referring to the senior executives, not on the basketball side, uh, that, were, that individuals internally felt were culpable for the kind of culture and misconduct uh, that took place inside the organization. A high-level executive um, at the Suns also told me of Robert's decision, it's the right thing to do. Um, I will also say there is a tremendous amount of shock and disbelief if you consider the statements from October of last year to November when our initial investigation was published to the statements um, even last week when the NBA announced yeah. its findings and even some of the statements today, people believed that under no circumstances, even after a year and however many players spoke out, sponsors left, that he would never relent. Hmm. And so there is disbelief. I've had people message me, I think I'm not alone, that they're um, in tears of joy, uh, but that they'd never, saw, thought, they'd never thought that they would see this day. I'll tell you, what, I, I think there was a lot of surprise that he did relent, but there was public pressure, which we've talked about. LeBron yep. James tweeting, Chris Paul tweeting, Draymond Green on his podcast. There was also a lot of private pressure on Robert Sarver behind the scenes. We heard PayPal, but there were a lot of other league sponsors and team sponsors that were lining up to, to pull away from the Suns and not be publicly associated with him. There was also the pressure applied by other owners and Adam Silver behind the scenes. Mm. Adam Silver is obviously a, a, a very... Uh, good at, at applying pressure when it needed to be and at facilitating these types of conversations and discussions to, to get to this place. I think in the statement, the most important thing that he said is, I don't want to be a distraction to the Suns and the Mercury. Now, he certainly didn't really own his culpability in this. He didn't right. own his actions or words, in, 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 as Zach outlined. But he did recognize that he had become a distraction. And frankly, 
it's bad for business. Mm. It became very bad for the league business, for the Suns business, and I and it, it's it's interesting to me having covered this in 2014 when this happened immediately. That I was I was wondering if the same thing would happen mm. with this over the course of time because there was, as we pointed out, no smoking gun. There wasn't a tape like there was with Donald Sterling. But we've ended in the same place where with a voluntary sale. The owners never had to vote Donald Sterling yes. out. Shelly Sterling sold the team. Robert Sarver is going to sell this team, and this is a really important point. He gets to decide who he sells it to. Mm. So anybody you hear as a potential owner, there's going to be a lot of interest in this team. Could be $3 billion, $4 billion valuation. Um, it, he gets to decide who he sells to, just like Shelly Sterling decided to sell to Steve Ballmer. There were a lot of other candidates, right. but somebody, um, there's been a few names that you'll hear. Jeff Bezos, the owner, of, the CEO of Amazon. Um, Robert Iger, former CEO of Disney. Uh, the uh, Lorraine Jobs, who's a minority owner of the Washington Wizards as well, uh, and Larry Ellison. These are these are big names that are out there. There's going to be a lot more names that you'll hear over the coming days and months. Yeah. But my expectation is there will be an outside owner who mm. comes in to buy the Suns, and it will take a couple of months at least. But Robert Sarver controls this process. Well, but in the interim, we're seeing players. Yes, we heard from LeBron James in in, in recent days, but we saw him tweet today that he was proud to mm. be a part of a league mm -hmm. that invoked this sort of change. I'm proud to be a part of a league committed to progress, he said, Zach. Yeah, and, and honestly, to Baxter's point, all along throughout this process, I kept on hearing from people in and around the sun saying, this guy is so stubborn mm. that he is going to dig in and he is going to just run this out. He's going to wait for the noise to quiet down. And even when the investigative report was released last week, I kept hearing, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. He's just going to wait it out, wait it out, wait it out. And starting with LeBron's tweet, and then I think when Chris Paul tweeted, yeah. he Chris Paul is the star of the Phoenix Suns along with Devin Booker. He didn't just tweet some sort of general discontent. He said specifically the sanctions did not go far enough. And I think that tweet really started to kickstart both privately and yeah. publicly, then the Players Association, then Draymond. But if I had to go back and pinpoint one, it was Chris Paul being specific mm. and precise. The one-year ban was not enough. And I think it would have kept building media days in eight days, nine days, whatever. And I think there was a sense that the tidal wave is not going to stop. Let, let me say this about your report, and it was amazing, and kudos to you for not only taking, there was a lot of heat, there was a lot of work that went into that, so I definitely want to compliment you on that, Baxter, but I have known this for 15 years. Mm. I have known all of this stuff. I have had plenty of friends, former friends, and I'm not going to call it any names, that would tell us stories about him coming in, and they were like, oh, you should know about that. And so you would hear these things for a decade, and then all of a sudden you would hear these reports. That's why Adam Silver was like, he was shocked and appalled when he heard some of these things, but then he found out that the players weren't that shocked because they knew it. Mm. But there was nothing that you can do, and even the people inside the organization, when they hear this stuff, they're like, wait, this man's going to be back here in a year? And that's what we got to worry about, him coming back here, possibly coming after vengeance. And there's no other place in the world where you can behave like this in the workplace. If the, It doesn't matter if you're at the top of Amazon, Disney. It doesn't matter. If you behave like this, you will not have a job. And so this was the only place, and I'm glad that, that the community of the NBA worked together to take out what was negative and something that shouldn't be here. In the organization... In the, in the hours and days after the NBA's report was released. The message was, we need to move on. We need to turn the page, move on to the next chapter. And I talked to staffers who said, how can we move on? He remains the owner. There is a, a long list of behavior exhibited in this report. This person is going to return. 
How can we move on? And they would also say, I know it was reflected in the statement that I read earlier from a current staffer, that there were senior executives who were culpable in this type of behavior in, in the environment there, and those people remain. How can we move on and turn the page and move on to a new chapter when these people are here? Well, the process of moving on, it begins now with Robert Sarver beginning to the, begin the process to sell the Suns. We will continue to cover that with our Bobby Marks and senior insider Adrian Wojnarowski joining us in just a little bit. But, Richard, since you want everyone to match your energy, guess who else is joining the show today? <laughs> who, who else is here? Giannis Attentacoupo. We got the big best player in the world is coming? a little bit, the Greek freak. We're going to talk about that nickname coming up on NBA Today. Hey, how'd you get the best player in the world to show up? Is that why you're wearing green? NBA Today is brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to NBA Today, where we continue to dive into our top story. Robert Sarver has begun the process of selling the Phoenix Suns. And as a reminder, this all started last November when ESPN's Baxter Holmes published an investigation into Sarver and the Suns' workplace. And then last Tuesday, the NBA released its report on Sarver, suspended him for one year, and fined him $10 million. And three days later, the Suns' jersey sponsor, PayPal, said it would not renew after the season and if Sarver were to remain involved with the team. And that brings us to today, where Sarver said he has started the process of selling both the Suns and the Mercury. So I am now joined by senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. And, and Woj, I just want to start there. We heard from Baxter Holmes earlier in the show that this was a question mark early on, whether or not Sarver was going to get to this point. Why? I think that the question around the league and certainly internally in Phoenix was, how much of an appetite did Robert Sarver have to be a pariah, not just locally in Phoenix, but nationally around the league? And he, he answered that question by deciding to sell the team, that he did not have the stomach to really essentially move forward uh, with, it being, uh, with him being told on a league level and certainly a community level that he was not wanted, that he was somebody that they did not want part of NBA ownership anymore and while uh, his peers were not ready to go to a vote to vote him out you know clearly this is uh, Sarver has been a polarizing figure in the league for a long time and I think for him 
he realized when he starts to see sponsorships pull, that makes the team less profitable. Mm. Certainly, uh, the players' reaction to this played certainly a role. But remember, just weeks ago, in the last 10 days, two weeks before the league announced um, its penalties, Sarver was still pushing back to yep. the league on the idea that he should be suspended a year, uh, that he should be fined $10 million. And so while everyone else was talking about will he have this team taken away, he still thought the penalties were too strong. But I think the reaction here uh, and, and just knowing ultimately, listen, he can still cash out uh, sell this team uh, for a significant amount, much more than the investment that he made in this team. Uh, but I think Robert Sarver, and, and it was certainly a concern around the league, ultimately decided that he did not have the stomach to, to essentially be a pariah. And that's what he is now. That's what he would be moving forward, trying to keep ownership. So that's how we got here. But I think the next natural question is, so what happens now? What's the next step in the process of selling? Well, ultimately, the NBA still has to approve any new ownership group. So Robert Sarver just can't sell to anybody he wants. But listen, there's going to be no shortage of significant ownership groups, you know, who will want to buy the Suns. Uh, so Sarver does have latitude uh, about who would buy the team, but he doesn't have final say over that. Interesting. Okay, I want to bring in our front office insider, Bobby Marks, into the conversation because, Bobby, can, can you take us inside the team here? From a management perspective, the folks who are actually making the deals, negotiating extensions, how does a team operate when it is for sale? Well, I think for right now, it's business as usual. I think you're looking at, you know, getting ready for training camp that starts next Tuesday. The big question will come when we're talking about an extension for Cam Johnson. He's extension eligible up until October 17th. And as Woj said, this could linger. What happens if there's a big trade out there where maybe you're moving multiple draft picks or maybe you're moving players, you're taking back salary here. So I think for Phoenix's perspective, certainly with James Jones and, and Monty Williams running it, I think you're taking somewhat of a conservative approach because the last thing you want to do is do some type of blockbuster deal, uh, the likelihood that would happen. And now you have prospective buyers out there maybe getting a little bit more cold feet. I don't see that happening right now just based on James's background, more of a conservative approach here. But I think certainly we'll learn a lot in the next three weeks regarding Cam Johnson. If there's no Cam Johnson extension, I think that's certainly an indication that this Suns organization is in a little bit of a holding pattern. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I think for uh, Phoenix, this is an organization that, listen, Robert Sarver has had significant overtures through the years to sell that team. He obviously uh, has not wanted to do that, but I think you can expect uh, the value that you might see with Forbes and some of those places that rate uh, team values. I think you'll see the purchase price uh, maybe significantly exceed that. I think there's a lot of factors that make Phoenix uh, a franchise, both obviously the Suns and the Mercury, um, that is attracted potential owners. You know, big money out of Los Angeles owners who would have L.A. ties. Obviously, it's a short flight away. And you talk to league executives uh, through the years. They have always seen Phoenix with the right ownership, that this is a sleeping giant hmm. in free agency, that it's a warm-weather Western, cli uh, Western climate uh, a team and that they should be with the right ownership, a team that can go out in free agency uh, and, and be competitive with bigger market.
teams. You know, you saw the Colangelo years prior. There were, you know, back to the Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley days where the team was obviously very good. Players liked playing in Phoenix. That changed for a significant period of Sarver's tenure. And obviously they got fortunate in the draft with Devin Booker, uh, DeAndre Ayton, and of course Chris Paul wanted to trade to Phoenix because it made right. sense uh, for him where he was in his career. The team was ready to win. And don't underestimate the impact. And Bobby mentioned uh, Monty Williams, James Jones. You know, James Jones was an executive of the year. And Monty Williams just signed a new uh, long-term extension as coach. And having those leadership pillars in place, you know, I think that gets that helps get the Suns through this transition until they get to uh, a new ownership group. Bobby? Yeah, Malika, I look at it as uh, this team for sale right now has the most appeal as of any team I've seen in the last 15 to 20 years. I think it just checks the boxes on everything. You inherit James Jones in his executive of the year, Monty Williams, uh, coach of the year. You basically have a clean slate moving forward. You've got all your draft picks. You've got Devin Booker, uh, DeAndre Ayton, certainly Chris Paul for another three years. This is a championship team. This is not Minnesota where you're kind of coming in, maybe stripping it down. I was in Brooklyn in 2010 with Mikhail Prokhorov. That was a a 24-win team. So whoever it's going to be is coming in, walking into a championship organization already, what's on the court. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, ownership groups, too, they're looking at the long term. You're buying a team to have it for, you know, potentially 10, 15, 20 years. And so whatever state the basketball organization's in, you know you can get through that. And you look at the bigger picture promise uh, of a marketplace. And again, you know, warm weather, Western Conference, close to Southern California, you know, and, and a great fan base, a traditional, uh, you know, one of the most loyal fan bases in the league. Uh, this is an attractive organization. I think you're going to see, again, really significant uh, ownership candidates step up uh, and try to buy this team. And, you know, Robert Sarver, from the initial investment he made until what he will cash out on, uh, certainly he's going to walk away with, uh, you know, a, a significant um, a take on, on the sale of the Phoenix Suns. and and the Mercury. And we will certainly cover those significant offers as we begin to see them here on NBA Today. Once again, Robert Sarver this morning announcing that he's beginning the process of selling both the Suns and the Mercury. Woj and Bobby Marks, thank you so much. Coming up next on NBA Today, the Greek freak himself sits down with us. We're going to discuss that nickname and the true meaning of his last name. In my village, I am a prince. I'm being very serious, uh, and uh, I have royal blood in me. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to NBA Today. As Giannis Antetokounmpo enters his 10th season in the NBA, his identity to basketball fans, it continues to evolve from unknown player to defensive player of the year to MVP 
to champion. But a constant of Giannis's identity has certainly been his nickname, right? The Greek Freak. But well beyond the titles and the name, Giannis's true identity, it crosses oceans, borders, languages, and until now, those parts of who Giannis is have largely been untold. I spoke to Giannis yesterday prior to the breaking news about Robert Sarver selling the Suns and the Mercury, and we spoke about how Giannis is sharing who he is and where he comes from in a new way. Here's a snippet of his new movie. I was so far from home, far from the people who surrounded me my whole life. When no one's there to remind you who you are and what matters. You lose sight of yourself. I've wanted to play basketball in America for so long. But every day, I'll call my parents on WhatsApp, crying. Telling them I want to leave. They say, keep on moving. You can't stop now. You came too far. Keep on moving. Those moments kept me going. But my world, I could hardly recognize it. Giannis, you and WhatsApp are releasing Nyjah Odyssey. It's a four-chapter short film. And I know for me, WhatsApp is what I use to communicate with my family overseas. But why did you want to work with WhatsApp? You know, uh, for me... It's authentic, you know, it feels feels right. Um, and uh, who would not want to work with WhatsApp, you know, being uh, their brand ambassador and the first one to uh, ever work with them, uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, it's a dream come true, but uh, I think we were able to, you know, put my family story out there and uh, how I feel and how my family feel uh, the right way, so, you know, I was excited. I'm excited to watch the film tonight. And it was a great opportunity for me and my family. The film is completely your point of view, and, and, and your mother speaks in it as well, but the story is just so personal to you. And you say in it that initially you were simplified to one name, one country, the Greek freak. How do you feel when people call you the Greek freak now? Uh, yeah, you know, I've heard it so many times. It, that it doesn't bother me, but um, people don't call me the Nigerian freak, you know, they only call me the Greek freak. And, you know, this is, you know, a time for people to understand and, um, and I'm both, you know, I'm not just Greek, I'm Nigerian. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, in the beginning, uh, when my dad was here, my mom talking about it, you know, they felt for sure a type of way, you know, as a parent, I would feel the type of way mm. about it, being the Greek freak. Uh, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you cannot choose. You cannot choose the nickname that you know people give to you. Uh, but you know what I can tell the people is that hey, like uh, you know, I might be you know, I was born in and raised in Greece. Um, understand the Greek culture, uh, speak the language, uh, know the history. But at the end of the day, I, I know exactly the same things for the Nigerian culture. And um, I'm not just one thing. I'm, you cannot tell me what I am. You know, I can tell you how I feel and. Who I am uh, and um, the man that I am today, I feel like I am both. So I'm happy that I have the opportunity you know, to share my journey and share my story. 
You said that at, at one point, though, your, your family felt some type of way about that. Was part of it a language barrier when you were thinking maybe people were making fun of you by calling you a freak? No, actually, I'm not going to lie. At first, uh, you know, the first time I saw it, um, I kind of felt that way. But then I, you know, I understand why, you know, because I do uh, things that uh, a lot of people cannot do out there and um, I understand the nickname. I like the nickname. I like being freak. Um, you know, I'm a big, big freak, but I'm also the Nigerian freak, you know. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's the end of it. You know, I'm not just, you know, I'm not just Greek, I'm Nigerian also. Um, you know, raising my kids, I'm not going to teach them only about the Greek culture, I'm going to teach them about the Nigerian culture also, you know, and um, that's what my parents did for me and that's what I'm going to try to do for my kids. Uh, and it's all good, you know, as long as I'm able to, you know, me, um, share my, you know, my, my story and make people understand where I'm coming from, um, you know, I'm happy with it. I'm happy that, you know, WhatsApp gives me the platform to do that. And you said in that film with WhatsApp that when you're in Greece, you were viewed as Nigerian. And when your family was in Nigeria, you were viewed as Greek. But in this moment now, how do you view yourself? Both, both, both. I'm, I'm Greek and uh, I'm Greek and Nigerian. Uh, Greco-Nigeriano. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, being in Greece, you're not, you're not Greek enough. Uh, you know, my whole childhood growing up, you know, I'm, actually I know what I, I am, but you know, you know, other people's opinion and, you know, when you're young, it might bother you. You're not Greek enough. No, there's no way. You know, your parents are Nigerian, you know. Uh, you don't have the same, you know, skin as us. Mm. Uh, Going to my Nigerian friends, to the, you know, to the African uh, neighborhood in Greece, um, you know, you're not, you're not Nigerian enough. Do you, you know, do you speak the language? Do you, do you understand Yoruba? Do you understand Igbo? You know, which, I, I, a little bit. I don't, I don't. Uh, but that doesn't strike away, you know, my where I'm from. <laughs> um, so. Now, at this time, you know, I feel like I'm both and I'm old enough and mature enough to understand that it doesn't matter what people think about me, all the matters, you know, all the values and uh, principles that my parents gave to me and, you know, how they made me feel and how I feel right now that I'm, as I said, Greco-Nigeriano. Yeah, I mean, as, as a black woman whose mother is white and whose father is black, I can certainly empathize with that feeling. Something I learned watching your short film is that your last name, Adedekumpo, it literally means the crown has returned from overseas. I, I didn't know that. And it made me, I didn't know that. I, of all the years I've known you, I didn't know that. So that was the meaning. Um, and it actually, Giannis, it made me think back to a moment in Milwaukee, and you're gonna remember this, when you were mimed putting a crown on your head. And some people took that as a slight toward LeBron, but for me, it made me rethink and reframe that moment. Was the meaning of, of that, your last name, coming to your mind? First of all, um, it wasn't, you know, nothing against uh, LeBron. Um, that's that's my last name, Ante, means, means crown. Mm. Uh, so Kupo, that was my, you know, father's uh, last name, his Nigerian name, and um, we made the last name Ante Tokumbo King, Tokumbo basically. Uh, but the whole meaning of it is the crown that returns from overseas. Um, I've, you know, knew that uh, and carried that my whole life. You know, in my in my village, I am a prince. Uh, and no, I don't laugh. It's I mean. Uh, 
I'm being very serious. Uh, in uh, I have royal blood in me. Yeah, uh, but on a serious note, um, my dad in his village, like he's 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 uh, he's a magic king. He when he was here, he was um, in charge of the whole village. My mom is the chief missus of um, the village, and uh, we are basically when our parents leave this earth in 100 years from now, me and my brothers have to go back and take care of the village and around the village and we are um, Prince Sinar, we are from in a little village of uh, a thousand people. Hmm. So there is a new or a different kind of maybe king freak in the NBA now. See, I learned something. Uh, As uh, King James might be mad and come out to score 50 on me. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, uh, hey, I, I, I want no part of that. <laughs> Giannis, family is so important to you. It, it's been reiterated over and over, and it's so clear in this film. You play with the Nasus in Milwaukee. Costas is down Interstate 94 in Chicago. There are folks that have made it clear that they'd do anything to play anywhere, anytime with their family in the NBA. Would, would you do the same? Yeah. Um, there's no there's no doubt. Um you know, this summer was one of the, you know, best summer I've had, you know, playing with my brothers in the national team, you know, just seeing their journey and their hard work that they put in, you know, uh, behind the scene and just being able to be a part of that, advice them, you know, coach them, you know, go against them, you know, talk to them, you know, being the like and against them, uh, with them, you know, get excited for them when they have a dunk or they have scored a three or they make a a great play. I, you can never take that for granted. And if I could uh, recreate that, um, you know, in the next 10 years of my career, hopefully if I can last that long, we'll see. But I will definitely, you know, take that opportunity to do so. Before I let you go, Giannis, the nerves, the fear that you initially had in Milwaukee that are portrayed in this film with WhatsApp, they, they really struck me, the vulnerability that you shared there. And entering your 10th season now, I'm wondering what of those feelings still remain, still bubble up for you as you gear up to return? Uh, it's not the same. Um, obviously, I'm older now. Um, kind of, you know, understand myself better. But, you know, when I came to the league, I was 18 years old. Uh, a lot of people don't remember, you know, I was proud myself, I've never left the country before that, you know, um, I didn't know nothing about Milwaukee, um, did not understand the language uh, well, and just being in the NBA, it's scary, not being in a different uh, city by yourself, without your parents, I've never left home, I've never lived by myself, you know, it might sound lame for a lot of our kids right now. Oh, he was 18 and lived with his parents. Yeah, I did. With my parents, and it was fun. Uh, but, you know, when I came to the league, I was totally by myself. And thank God I had people around me that uh, helped me and helped me navigate uh, life. Um, I was able to still stay connected uh, to my family through WhatsApp every single day and send pictures, videos, and just see, you know, the growth of my two little brothers. Uh, but then, you know, when uh, they came back, um, you know, I was able to still live with my parents in the same house, which was again fun. Uh, but it was, uh, we got reunited and, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was fun and um, it wasn't, it wasn't most, it wasn't scary anymore. So, yeah, uh, now that I'm older, it's different type of uh anxiety and uh, fears more for my more for my kids not for myself anymore I'm, I'm, I'm good 
Well, it's interesting. It's that full circle moment because it seems that that's how your parents were feeling at one time and now that's how you're feeling about your kids. Giannis, thank you so much for sharing with us this project with WhatsApp. Thank you, Malika. I'll see you soon. Well, and then Giannis pulls up to the premiere and he's getting to Oh, okay. Malika, let's see it. Let's see it. I mean, I, I have that kind of rhythm. I, don't. I, I do not. I no. Have, no, 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 Dave, no, no. viewers remember when you stepped on my toe when we were dancing with the stars. I didn't know you wore a size 11. That is a large <laughs> foot, Malika. Nine. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, and no, a half. don't lie to the people. <laughs> do not lie. See, you gotta go. Yeah. You're just in the shoulders. Wiki yeah. feet, size 11. No one look at that. Yeah, yes. No one look at that. I'm guys, saying nothing. <laughs> The, 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 what, what are you, you're no. cre waist no. Croatian? You're yeah. a Croatian freak? Yeah, I'm an honorary, I'm an adjacent Croatian. Well, we have another international star joining the show tomorrow. Do you know who it is, Richard? I, I, I have no guesses. Oh, well, it's Luka Doncic. Let's Let go. me tell you, we check in on Dobro, dobro. Expect what does that mean? Good. Okay, Good. well, dobro. Dobro? Dobro. Dobro. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. Do not miss that. And coming up next, we have more on the latest regarding Robert Sarver putting the Mercury and Suns up for sale. NBA Today will be right back. Welcome back to NBA Today. Continuing our breaking news coverage on Robert Sarver starting the process of selling the Suns and the Mercury. But... Before we get to what's next, I do want to take you back to November 4th, 2021, when Baxter Holmes released the report that sent shockwaves across the NBA. More than 70 current and former employees interviewed by ESPN recounted conduct by Sarver they felt was inappropriate and misogynistic, including the use of the N-word and lewd comments made during staff meetings. Former Suns head coach Earl Watson told ESPN that Sarver once used the slur after a game. You know, why does Draymond Green get to run up the court and say N-word? Sarver, who is white, allegedly said, repeating the N-word several times in a row. You can't say that, Watson, who is black and Hispanic, told Sarver. Why, Sarver replied, Draymond Green says N-word. You can't expletive say that, Watson said again. Sarver denied he used the N-word through his legal team, saying this is absolutely untrue. Sarver said he talked with a Suns player who had received a technical foul during the game for using the N-word, questioning why he had received a technical when other players who say it do not. The player, through his agent, told ESPN that he does not recall speaking to Sarver that night. I've never called anyone or any group of people the N-word or referred to anyone or any group of people by the N-word, either verbally or in writing. Multiple Suns employees also recounted inappropriate conduct from Sarver, such as him once passing around a picture of his wife in a bikini to employees and speaking about sex with his wife. We're passing it around like a hot potato, like what in the hell are we supposed to do with this? That was just, you know, one early glimpse at the man. Sarver, through his legal team, told ESPN the moment has been twisted into something more nefarious than it was and that he has never discussed his sex life in the office. A retailer sent my wife and me a sample along with a brochure and I took a picture of her in the sample. I took the brochure and picture of her and gave it to the people at the Suns in charge of overseeing merchandise with the message, here's the catalog, this is what the swimsuit looks like, and if you have any interest in carrying this line in the team shop, 
then here's the number to call. Multiple current and former employees also told ESPN about conduct by other members of the Sun's leadership team that they felt contributed to the work environment. While none said Sarver was involved in those incidents, many felt that Sarver's own conduct contributed to a culture that affected how some other managers within the organization treated their employees. They said they don't know how no one has ever been held accountable. If the commissioner comes in and investigates to see what the expletive is going on in Phoenix, he would be appalled. Jason Rowley, president and CEO of the Suns, defended Sarver. This story is completely outrageous and false. It doesn't represent at all the Robert Sarver I've worked alongside of for 15 years. He's not a racist and he's not a sexist. So that quote from Jason Rowley was about 10 and a half months ago. And what he was saying then, we sit in a very different place today, Baxter. Why? Well, I, I want to read a quote from a former staffer who participated in the investigation, which I think speaks for a lot of people uh, there. I can't even accurately pinpoint one emotion. Mm. I'm relieved. I'm beyond happy. I'm empowered and I'm motivated to continue to ensure that all of the men in that organization still in power who upheld this culture are rooted out. It gives me hope that we've turned the page on the old boys club and that more people want to see safe and diverse work cultures in sports. Mm. Um, but yes, the, the comment about you know people still there certainly rings true for a lot of people that I've talked to today, but it is quite striking to see those statements and uh, everything that's transpired in the last 10 months. Well, it's striking to me to see those statements and also to see the statement that was made today uh, by Robert Sarver, because as you pointed out earlier on your Twitter page, the statement that the Phoenix Suns, the statement, the Suns made a statement that the organization made a statement before you even put out the initial reporting, refuting that reporting. And then when the reporting came out, they pushed back even harder. Robert Sarver pushed back even harder against the truths that were at the core of your reporting. And then to see what staffers are saying now, to see that they are finally being heard after years of that sort of treatment, it is incredibly striking juxtaposed against the backdrop, Zach, of Robert Sarver saying today that he is selling the team because cancel culture is alive and well and real. Yeah, look, we can we can go back and look at what's in the report. There's a lot of horrible stuff in there. The statement we already talked about, I mean, spinning it forward, I'm happy that a lot of employees feel the way that that mm. employee feels, relief, you know, freedom, whatever. Um, I'm happy for the players who are trying to win a championship. And I, I don't think uh, last year they sort of bottled this up, pushed it to the side and tried to yeah. win. And it's a team that has that kind of ceiling. And I just don't think it was going to be fair for all the pressure to be on them. Are they going to boycott? Are they going to do more than the Clippers did during the Donald Sterling? I'm happy that they get to pursue this. And going forward, the Suns have been a sleeping giant for a long time. Warm weather, free agency appeal, and they have an owner who's ducked the tax over and over again. Go back and look at the Kurt Thomas trade from 2006. Um, I think this is going to be a bonanza, and it's a great opportunity for someone to build this franchise into what it should be. Oh, and pushing through that is a testament not only to the front office, but to Monty Williams and Absolutely. to Chris Paul and Devin Booker's leadership. We're actually going to hear more player reaction here on NBA Today on the other side of this break.
Welcome back. Here's a look at some player reaction to Robert Sarver announcing his intentions to sell the Suns and the Mercury. LeBron tweeted, I'm proud to be a part of a league committed to progress. And Jamal Crawford tweeted, had to happen. Joining us now on NBA Today is senior writer for Anscape, Mark Spears. Mark, I know you have been speaking and communicating with players. What is the overwhelming reaction to Robert Sarver beginning this sale process? Well, the players have gone from shut up and dribble to speak out and dribble. And Malika, you were there with me in the NBA bubble where we saw a renaissance of where the players have decided to use their strength and numbers and the voice. As you see right here, you know, Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Draymond Green all have words that I think truly impacted what had what, what happened with Sarver. But let's give Tamika Tremelio some props too. She's the Players Association's new executive director and she speaks for the entire player membership. Uh, she doesn't speak unless they want her to. And she told me that, you know, there's no place in the NBA for Sarver. And she told you that she needed a ban. But mm-hmm. uh, going back to the bubble, you know, it was the aftermath of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's those police brutality deaths that brought the players there uh, wanting to push social justice. There was Black Lives Matter on the floor, uh, social justice terms on jerseys, and, and the Bucks, remember, they after Jacob Blake was shot by a police, they had a work stoppage for several days. That work stoppage, as you know, it sparked voting polling stations across the league. Uh, you know, the increased amount of coaches and black coaches and general managers have since been hired. The NBA has also been involved more uh, with black businesses, and they started the National Basketball Social Justice Coalition. So, you know, after the bubble, I was wondering if things were starting to wane with players, if there wasn't that much strength towards social justice anymore or using their voice to make change. But whether it was Draymond, Chris Paul, who whose checks are signed by Robert Sarver, you know, LeBron James or the Players Union, hey, they came strong with this. And I really think that had a major impact in Sarver deciding to move on. Certainly powerful player voices speaking up. And I think Zach Lowe rightly pointed out earlier in the show that the specificity that Chris Paul called for, that certainly made an impact in what we are seeing today. Mark Spears, as always, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on NBA Today. Thank you. To end our show today, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball on the court and revisit ESPN's NBA rank. Who was higher on the list? Was it James Harden or Kawhi Leonard? Richard and I will be back in just 60 seconds. Some news out. Some news out of OKC. Thunder guard SGA will miss the start of training camp after being diagnosed with a grade 2 MCL sprain in his left knee. And he and the team will be will said he will be reevaluated in two weeks. I don't even know what I was talking about. I was so focused on so much other stuff. And then the Sarver news took over. Now SGA's missing time. OKC, they've had a little, little tough offseason with some of their top players. No Chet, no SGA to start the season. It's going to be tough. You get that all off of your uh, chest? Yeah, Here's the NBA rank. Yeah, we can I, take I a look have, at it. You guys didn't give me any time to talk about anything. We have more time? 